everybody. That's Jake Nager, Moment of Truth, the guest on the last podcast with our opening music here and get his new record in the cut. We've got links in the blog post here at uuyewonline.com. Today, it's Cantori and do hope you're well. I really do. It's been an exciting uh, 2019 so far. Got the new show on the radio over at 100.7 with uh, my friend Merrill and producer Ted. You know, I've been doing radio shows for uh, for about 25 years or now. Oh, geez. Over 25 years now. And this dynamic feels real good. And, uh, yeah, it's just a very positive, supportive environment, which is uh, a real blessing. And I'm super grateful and humbled by all the craziness. Uh, there are billboards out there with my freaking fat head on them, which trips me out. Even uh, I think I've seen a couple. And every time I see them, I'm like, Ugh! Like it's so uncomfortable uh, just because I'm weird with that stuff. It's in, it's trippy because when I was younger, 20s and 30s, you know, I, I dreamed of having a billboard and here I am almost 50 and now I have one. And it's like, oh, it's cool. It's nice, you know, but the things that really matter to me most in life are the things, you know, my kids, making sure the kids are healthy. My son's off Fortnite. My daughter's cool and happy and my wife's in good health. That, that's the important stuff to me in coexisting here in San Diego, which I'm able to do thanks to this new opportunity and keeping you, you, the network here alive and kicking. And today we're talking to Ernie Hahn, who is the GM of the sports arena. He runs the sports arena here in town, and he's got a new music fest coming to San Diego in November, right before Thanksgiving, called Wonderfront. And he's going to tell you all about it, how it came together and what they're what they're looking to do. First, let me thank our sponsors, uh, Baja Bound Auto Insurance, uh, Mexican Auto Insurance. Thank you to BajaBound.com. If you're planning a trip south of the border, do hook it up. In fact, I got hit up by the guy who owns Scorpion Bay Hotel. They're gonna be a forthcoming uh, sponsor. So if we do like a little surf trip, little getaway to Scorpion Bay, that's a hell of a drive. Uh, we'll hook up with Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance. So definitely hook them up. It's a great operation if you're headed to Mexico, BajaBound.com. Also want to thank the homies over at the Scooter Farm. If you've got a kid in the house that likes the scooters, those pro scooters, we're talking like razors on steroids, go to TheScooterFarm.com. TheScooterFarm.com. There we go. Got it out that time. Uh, They're awesome. They really are. They're friggin' great. Just the nicest guys. Bo, who runs the spot. With his partner, Doug, the two of them are just a great community organization. Business right down the street from the Claremont Skate Park. And definitely recommend you check out the Scooter Farm. And then finally, and this is a great segue into uh, our discussion here with uh, Ernie Hahn. Because March and Ash, San Diego's finest dispensary, is uh, the uh, exclusive dispensary that it, that is partnered with the sports arena. You go into the sports arena... March and Ash all over the place, uh, on the marquees, around the ice rink, uh, when they're playing lacrosse or indoor football concerts, March and Ash on site. They're even on the outdoor marquee at the sports arena. So if uh, you're looking for products, whether it's uh, THC or CBD-based, they have a whole CBD section over at March and Ash. And I, I'll tell you, you go over there, and it's like the place your parents would shop. It's the type of place you'd want to take your mom. <laughs> it really is. It's high class, and everything is tested 
so you know you're getting safe, reliable products. And you can check them out at marchandash.com. And they have a huge event going on, shocking, on 420 with uh, the dog Wilfred from that show, Wilfred. I don't know if you know that show with Elijah Wood. Wilfred's going to be on site, and they're going to have like 25 vendors, specials, DJs, food, the whole thing, March and Ash on 420. As we sit down here with Ernie Hahn and talk, well, Sports Arena and Wonderfront coming to San Diego later this year. Can't wait. I'm really giddy over it. What's up, Ernie? Chris, how are you, man? Been a while. Been a while. We go back to what the sports arena days, yeah. which is still your, which still, is still your main gig. Yep, still at Pachanga Arena now, and um, just did those naming rights at the end of the year, which was great. They're a great partner, and um, kind of you know the arena had its second best year ever. We're ton of great shows, as you know, that are coming up, and uh, for a fifty-year-old building, it's it's kicking butt. It's I was going to say, long. man, for a building that old and to bring in the talent, the caliber of talent, you still. What is the story with that space and that building? Is your family the yeah, owner? Yeah, so we go back to 2000, actually goes back to 1992. I started there in 91 as an event coordinator. And my dad and me and then another ownership group were looking at maybe taking over the leasehold interest, which we did in, in uh, 1993. Um, and then I became the business manager. And then in 96, at end of 96, became the GM. I've been the GM since. And then in 2008, we actually sold a majority interest in our business to AEG. Okay. And it was AEG Facilities, and we created a new company called AEG Management San Diego, which is our group, Arena Group 2000. Got it. And AEG Facilities, and that's been the managing group since 2008. So you have uh, ownership in it, but uh, you're also the primary manager now. Yeah. When it comes to the space and here in San Diego, you know, when you think of all the the stadium issues with Qualcomm or whatever, the SDCCU now and all that. The sports arena is still holding. And are there ever discussions about doing some crazy revitalization, tearing the thing down and rebuilding? Because I really don't yeah. know. I think that's been a thought in the past. The problem is you're in a 30-foot height ordinance in our area. So mm. the arena was built back in 1966. November of 66 is when it opened up. Um, the ordinance went into place, I think, in 72 or 73. So that's why we're the tallest building in the area. Um, and so at the end of the day, it's a complex issue. The city is really interested in, do, you know, in doing um, redevelopment in that area right now, mm -hmm. but they can only do so much of that considering they got a 30-foot height ordinance. They've acknowledged that the arena needs to be there until there's a new arena built. And so what we've been working on now for a couple of years is getting this getting another extension on the lease. We're down to, a hell, we're down to 16 months left. I'm booking stuff past the lease. Wow. So yeah, it's it's a, it's ridiculous, quite frankly, is what it is. And so we're trying to get that done. There were hints of maybe them trying to do an RFP, which makes no sense because there's not enough time to do it. And Which who, means what? A request for a proposal, right? We're like, by the way, hey, you guys have done a great job, but now we're going to open it up and see whoever else wants to come and run this for the next three years. Kind of like, like what they're doing with the skate world thing in Linda Vista. Is that kind of a yeah, similar? I guess I guess I, you know, I haven't followed that closely, but we scale. put $24 million into that building just in the last 15 years. Damn. And you know, all those fixtures and all the stuff that's in there belong to us. Yeah, it's tenant improvement. At the end of the day. <laughs> so if somebody else came in to run it for three years and there were no seats and there were no fixtures and all that stuff, I'd be curious to see how that works. So Interesting. I think um, 
Hopefully we get get that lease. Yeah, I really extension. hope it works out for you. Le- you've lease been extension. The- we've been I've been there for twenty eight years, and we do a really good job. And I would just say when you look around at other fifty two year old facilities, exactly that are doing one hundred and thirty events and all that. Well, there's none of them. Exactly there's, my point. There's one. Yes, yeah. and, and so. you're able to sustain and still bring world class entertainment of all forms, whether it's live music. I look at all these sports franchises that are now parked yeah. at your facility. There's a whole thing going on. It only makes sense that you should be able to stay there for the years and years to until, come. Until the new arena opens up, as we've always said, hey, just give us an extension until this new arena, whenever that happens, opens up. But if you just keep granting three-year options, right? as soon as we do this three-year option, I'm going to be back to the city a year from now trying to get an extension because I'm going to be inside that two-year window. And I'm, I'm already booking stuff that, that is literally in 20. 23. So part of my ignorance here, they yeah. build a new facility. Does that mean you're first in line to get in? Not necessarily. No, no. I mean, it could be, it, there's some groups out there and there's some billionaires out there that may have an interest in doing that. And that's great. You don't get I, grandfathered in though, based no, on your tenure? And no, your dad? I, think, I think as far as maybe some of the redevelopment, I think there's opportunities where we're at. At the end of the day, and probably what we get into talking about today at, at the same time is that, um, Whatever's best for San Diego in the end. Right now, there's not a better operator of that building than us. Um, I'm a CFE, which is Certified Facility Executive. It's the highest rating you can get to be a manager of a building. I've had yeah. that since 2003. Um, and the proof is in just what we've done every year, yeah. like 130 events with a with a 52-year-old building. And, and it's not like no names. It's and, not like Ju- Justin Timberlake no, just like, played like there. And, and, and big acts. And it's – we're – We've got a relationship, obviously, with AEG as a partner, but we do tons of shows with Candace and over at, at Live Nation. Yep. We're, you know, probably going to do 10 shows with them this year because we give them a great deal. And my deal at the end of the day is I'm a steward for that building to try to bring as many shows as I can. I don't see color. I don't see company. I don't see any of that. Kind and of you stuff. have been for decades. I will yeah. say that because I remember years ago before you dumped all the millions and millions into the building, I was on the air at 91X, just ranting about something about how it smelled or (laughs) something. I think you were one of the uh, sports aroma guys. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you called me right up. You're like, dude, we're putting money into it. Come on, man. Give me a break. I think what it it is, too, and I I get all that, and everybody's entitled to an opinion. It's great. I was just having fun. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, you're also a steward of of San Diego and music and all the things that you've been doing for all these years because you love it. And and think about all these bands that you've been around that you know. And I mean, uh, it seems like it was yesterday in the 90s uh, when, you know, Pearl Jam had the two sold-out shows. Over at Civic. uh, Well, this one was, they had two sold-out shows at the uh, fairgrounds, if you remember that. Oh, man. And then the... the, uh, the uh, sheriffs started freaking out. They didn't want to do it, so they had to cancel them. Bill yep. Silva was doing the show, and so I called him. I'm like, hey, move those shows to the arena. We'd love to have it. And they go, well, there's liability. They're not dealing with Ticketmaster. Remember, Remember that. Remember, that was the ETM days. They were like Remember they're that. doing their own ticketing deal. They were ahead of their time. And I'm like, well, technically, they go, well, you're a Ticketmaster, but you can't have it. Go, well, technically, you've already issued all those tickets. It's simply a GA event that we're just transferring from one venue to the other, yep, so there's just really no the same tickets. Same tickets. So we got around that, but I had to guarantee, I had to have very hard conversations with Ticketmaster. I had to uh, give an indemnity to Bill Silva and Pearl Jam saying, if we move this, if there's any lawsuits, it's on you. And I, and then at the end of the day, I'm like, let's do it. Let, I'm simply, we've got 20, you've got 26,000 people that have bought tickets that want to see Pearl Jam and we're a steward of music. Let's get over here. And by the way, two dates went off. It was incredible. So, 
I think it leads us into like we both love San Diego. And for everybody who wants to complain about San Diego, I say it's really simple. Please leave. Move. As soon as you can. <laughs> That's always my bit. Like, get out. Um, Too expensive? Move. Uh, yeah. Otherwise. Or get a second or third job. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I do. Which is part of the deal. <laughs> which is part of the deal. Or, or at the end of the day, too, I would say is because um, so many people complain about different things. And my, my take is um, anybody can complain about anything. How do you make it better? Yep. What, what, what is Action. What is your job? What is my job? And in the music scene or in the business of facilities and all that, how do we create things or how do we help establish or connect other people together so at the end, net result, San Diego is better. And San Diego us. wins. I and agree. And San Diego wins. And and obviously, when the Chargers left, huge loss, right? I mean, no question. You and I have never talked about the Chargers, but I love the Chargers. My 18-year-old son that's our last one, our empty nester, is, is I mean – that's what we did on Sundays. I'd surf down at Black's Beach. If it was an away game back on the East Coast, I'm picking up breakfast burritos. We're waiting. We go. I get if it. If it's not, it's lunch. We're picking up lunch or a pizza. We're watching it in the afternoon. and Or we go to the games, You know, all the tailgates that you remember being part of. And yep. that was a huge void that was created. In the end, they didn't want to be here in the end. There were opportunities for them to be here. And it's not getting into... No, but I think it's an important talk because you are talking about a stadium issue. You are someone who has a facility that you know, obviously couldn't house the Chargers, but you know you hear, oh yeah, the Chargers complaining about the locker rooms and playing there and stuff. Do you get a lot of complaints from artists that want to play in a fifty-two-year-old building? Is no, Justin Timberlake coming to you and saying this dressing room is not up to my standards? Well, but one of the things, though, I think, and it's a big difference, and I think the city was saying they were losing like seven million dollars a year on that stadium. They haven't put really any money into that. So, yeah. right, like we've had to put the $24 million into the building. Good point. So, so, at one point, it was a problem. Like Rod Stewart would come in, in in the early 90s and they'd be in the main locker rooms. I'd have a hockey game the night before. Yeah. You'd have to spray the that, that orange shit that's toxic <laughs> that somehow makes the room smell good. Right. After Febreze ho- the room. Yeah, after hockey shit's been, you know, you yep. know, sitting there all night. Sweating balls. Are we on a, is this a podcast? Oh, you're all right? good. Okay, you all can right. drop anything, right. man. Yeah. Okay. So it smells like ass and balls <laughs> so, and Rod Stewart's coming in and to so, do a show. So you're spraying as much as that orange crap and hopefully it clings to the wall and it smells decent. And so when the amphitheater and when the other arena came in town, we're like, we, you know, we need to stay progressive here. So we built out these star suites, these really nice rooms that we still use for the artists when they come in. And then we built more locker room space. So at the end of the day, it's not perfect, but it's way nicer than it used to be. And at the end of the day, um, it also is, you know, we've, we pay the city about $800,000 a year in rent. We've never missed a payment. We've put those $24 million of upgrades all on our own. And if you want to compare what facilities that are similar in years, although the arena is older than the stadium, the arena's had, you know, 40x number of events than the stadium has one's lying fallow losing seven million dollars a year not doing really good hasn't been resting the other one right now is doing 130 events it's a top 10 facility worldwide in 10 to 15 thousand seats and i'm like i said that's not that puts it in perspective that's not just it's not a pat on the back to us but you have to care yep at the end of the day no question and at the end of the day people drive by and go yeah bernie but you know it looks like the original arena if there was roi that I could attach to spending $4 million on making the outside just look cosmetically better, probably would have done that, but there's no ROI in that. So I want to put all the flat screens, I want to put all the other stuff in the Stella Lounge and the pit and and, and all these other areas into your experience when you come so that even though you're coming to a 52-year-old building, at the end of the day, 
hopefully you're going, you know what? Pretty damn good building for 52. And there's actually some really cool nooks and crannies in this arena that See, I went to. See, that's how I look at that, it. That are, like I went down to the GMC Denali pit. No building has a has an open GA pit and killer seating right stage right. Yep. And when we did that, I remember even AEG, they were going like, well, who says that we can do that? I'm like, it's our building. <laughs> what? What? By the way, we're trying to create better experiences. I agree. And we're already disadvantaged because we got a 50-year-old building. Let's get creative and you know, yeah. let's blow a hole in the wall of this arena club at the time, and then we'll go right out to the section and you'll get service and it's become a really cool experience. You you know, people have bunker suites, but you can't see out of the bunker suite. This is like having the bunker suite where somebody's tapping on your shoulder while you're watching Justin Timberlake and you know, handing you a Stella and you're like, Oh, this is pretty good. Exactly. And also I'm just a big fan of nostalgia and being such a steward of San Diego and so proud of this town. I think of Cameron Crowe and shooting Almost Famous there and all these concerts that were, you know, Black Sabbath, Zeppelin. I mean, the the history, the history in that building, man. And and the history is there. And so I think a great thing that I learned a long time when I got calls from you or the sports room and I'm like, you know, I get it and we got to make some improvements. But one of the things is we were old and we needed improvements, but what we had that we flipped the switch, and we'll kind of talk about that later with the weather and, and the festivals, we flipped the switch and said, you know what? I've got something nobody else has. No other building around here can say that Zeppelin played six times. Exactly. Or Elvis played three times. Almost Famous was down here for two months filming. Yep. And I'm walking by these guys every day, and Kate Hudson gets her first break. Um, that's what we did. And with technology over like eight years ago, nine years ago, when the technology got good enough, we took these old photographs and we made these huge vinyl wraps that we put around the outer concourse. So the farthest outer concourse wrap is the kind of uh, really cool nostalgic stuff. There's great shots of the doors or Freddie Mercury. Yeah, it or reminds David me of going Bowie. to the forum when you go up to the forum. Right. Same yeah, and bit. They, and by the way, they did it after me. Ah, so uh, I think they came in. <laughs> and then the inner wraps, the wraps that are around the outside of the locker rooms, or excuse me, the, the restrooms, are the more contemporary artists. So you might see a Black Keys there or a Taylor Swift because we do it all. And then on each one of them uh, is a set list from that night. It's amazing. And and when these artists come through, the ones that are on that inner wrap and Taylor, uh, you know, Taylor or Carrie Underwood again comes, there's a line of 30 deep during that night, people taking pictures in of front course. of that wall. It's, it's a wall, right? It doesn't mean anything unless you put some love to it and create something out of it. And people like yourself, uh, I've seen guys, uh, dads with their sons walking around pointing at the shot of Led Zeppelin going, I was at that show. And that would the, be and, me. Yeah, and the kids and the kids looking, well, Dad, tell me about that show. Oh, my God, you can't believe it. And yeah. so we want, that gets back to the stewards of San Diego and how do we keep the music scene moving forward? How do we do something really cool for San Diego, for San Diego, by San Diego? And especially those of us who miss that that street scene void. And, uh, you know, warts and all, there was nothing like street scene during its day and there's been such a void that has yet to be filled so many people have tried but the magic hasn't been recreated because street scene was so devoted to san diego san diego it was devoted and at the end of the day you walk around a corner and there's social d plane you walk around the next corner it was black ips or whatever james brown yeah but what was so cool about it was again and you saw it at the end. It wasn't like street scene all of a sudden, like nobody liked it anymore. They just ran out of space, yep. right? All, you know, Bosa started buying lots and yep. condos went up. And also, oh, now we don't have 12 blocks, so we're down to 10. And then and there was nothing sexy about putting a stage in a parking lot. No, it, no offense to them. They well, had at the to end do of the it. day, we, 
they had to do it. They had yeah. nowhere to go. And they had a brand. They had a great brand. This was the festival before festivals. Truth. The urban festival down there, and people loved it. And, and so they move it to Qualcomm, and it does half the attendance. And within a year, it's at the amphitheater, and it's dead. Yep. Um, the secret sauce to street scene was downtown. And so I also feel like there's a calling here that I've been looking at for 10 plus years where my grandpa who developed Horton Plaza, right? So Horton Plaza changed downtown. So where did you grow yeah. up? So I grew up in uh, Pacific Beach and then up in Del Mar. Okay. Yeah. And your family though, your, your roots in San Diego yeah. go how deep? Take well, me just, all the way back. Yeah, well, I was, you know, technically, I always say I'm transparent on this. I was born in Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. And when I was four months old, my my folks moved down here because my dad was managing the first mall of the Han Malls, which was La Cumbre Plaza up in Santa Barbara. And then when I was four or five months old, they moved down here and he started managing Fashion Valley, which was the next Interesting. And along the ways, because um, they came from a family of developers, they were, they were working on University Town Center and they were working on Horton Plaza at that time. So when you say the Han Mall, was it wasn't called the Han Mall. No, they were I mean, just the Han Company. So my grandpa, who built I'm named, the mall. Yeah, my grandpa, Ernest Walter Han the first, who I'm named after, I'm Ernest Walter Han the second, um, was kind of the pioneer of the modern shopping center that you see today. And he sold his Fascinating. company. Sold his company back in 1982, but he worked and did Horton Plaza. Well, what Horton Plaza did, as you remember back in the 70s and stuff, it was... A lot of sailors and a lot of uh, yeah, stingery was, area. Gnarly, and it, man. And it was, wasn't where you took the family down there. That development of Horton Plaza changed it and created the gas lamp. Truth. And then the next concept of Petco Park took it and kind of went to East Village, right? So certain things have helped do different things along the way. And what's very cool to me, and now, you know, 30, 40 years later, is Street scene was something cool that we loved. It was special for San Diegans. Agreed. So many people saw so many of the first bands there. They discovered things, which is when we talked about Wonderfront, that's a huge part of it, discovering new bands and also feeling like you can discover it and you don't have to be locked into that festival for 12 hours straight. Because that's festival fatigue is, it's a, it's, it's a, maybe it's not a syndrome yet, but it's a condition. It's a real thing. <laughs> it's why I only see headliners or the bands on the second lineup. And that's part of the problem. Part of the problem, wherever you go, is if if you know you're a busy guy, you love music, but at the end of the day, if you've got to commit yourself to that window, you're going to show up from that six to eleven window or whatever in your five hours because ain't going. You're so far out of the city center normally that if you're out at Coachella, for example, yep. where are you going to go and hang in the meantime? By the time it gets you back to your Oasis lounge or whatever, that you're two done. hours is you're, you're done. done. You're your not day's going over. Um, so I think that was the secret sauce even back then when the gas lamp was very different and, you know, going to where, you know, Paul Thornton and I are now. Um, so who's Paul Thornton? So Paul Thornton yeah. Paul Thornton is the, is my partner in, um, in Wonderfront, which is the festival that'll happen November 22nd through 24th this year. It'll be a three day festival downtown. Um, it is, uh, a total of seven stages. It'll be uh, 75 to 80 acts. We're just yeah. fi finishing up all the acts right now. So what's your association with Paul? Before so you Paul, I've known Paul way. for 12, 13 years. Paul was has roots back to San Diego. He went to USD here on a, on a baseball scholarship, got hurt, ended up going to Cal State Fullerton, graduated with an accounting background, and then got into promotions. And believe it or not, you know, Bill Silva was 
kind of the first backer of Paul and his brother, Creston, and they started a company, it'll be more familiar when I mention it, called Bravo Entertainment. So ah, Bravo Entertainment. <laughs> I've heard of it. They were the biggest promoters in the Northwest, and they were based out of Boise. Okay. And did 700 shows a year. They had the Big Easy nightclubs up yes. there and, and did all of that. Yes. Really good at what they do. Uh, okay. And then Paul and his brother in 2007 sold it, sold their company. And Paul had a non-compete and was doing a couple other things. And he got more in the festival space. And then he ended up going to Austin uh, with his family where he opened where the Formula One track is. He's the one that developed the 360 amphitheater there and did all the programming. And Interesting. Huge, huge success. Did a Formula One, uh, a couple festivals out there. Did uh, a Je Jeff Foxworthy festival called uh, Red Fest. Um, and then uh, 2013 or so starts working with the city of Austin and puts the bid together to bring the ESPN X Games from Los Angeles to Austin. Okay. And he, and he wins that. And he organizes 120 bands over three days. Up now you're talking my language. I remember and, that. And all of that stuff. And they changed the whole model on how that's run. So Paul and I have been friends for 10 years. So he knows his shit. He's really good at it. And what was really important, because obviously my relationship with AEG is awesome. I mean, we were partners in the facility and all that. And you can honestly say from a festival standpoint, there's nobody bigger than AEG and, and your, your friend Paul and everybody else and, and incredible things. It was really important for me as a San Diegan that when we get this going, that we do this kind of as San Diegans and something that is um, near and dear to my heart. So when it's Tony Hawk and Rob Machado and Trevor Hoffman, three San Diegans that I just love and they're personally great friends. Icons. You know, they're icons. And, and then reaching out to just relationships, quite frankly, that unless you're here in San Diego or somebody like me that's been doing this for 30 years, you wouldn't have those relationships. Or you wouldn't get those relationships if you were out of town coming in and yep. checking out things because right. you didn't have the street cred or you hadn't Agreed. been dealing with somebody or you hadn't been surfing for 40 years with the same people. Or Exactly. You can't put a price tag on market equity. It's it's uh, it's something that's earned, as we know, earned. like respect and not that's given. What I mean. Earned. So, so earned. it's just earned in what you do. Um, Completely concur. So that being said, how do you approach Tony Hawk? What's that discussion? So like? the discussion with Tony is, uh, you know, probably a year and a half ago, telling him what, you know, introduce him to Paul, tell him what I'm working on and say, by the way, would love to have you involved with it. Um, there's probably a little equity piece in for you, but there's an investment you got to make. So it's not just like. So these guys are putting in their yeah, cash. Yeah, they're putting in their cash or they're putting in significant resources. In, in this case with Tony, it's, uh, you know, a little bit of both, but he's got his ramp. I mean, that's a. That's a monster, the Boom Boom Huck Jam ramp that he brings down. and he So he's going to incorporate that in? It's incorporated into the festival. Yes! And, and we're now incorporating maybe some of these bands that were the bands that he loved at the time around that. that so are like playing Devo, Devo, X. That's, that's I know where you're going. Exactly. I know like where you're that, going. Right? Right. Stuff that he loved, that we love, that San Diegans love. Because Tony Hawk is... The man. He's the man down the here. Man. Right? Like, like, I remember, that's the other thing, right? I mean, we didn't know each other back then, but... I stopped skating. I used to skate at the Del Mar Skate Ranch, and yep. there was this guy that was a little bit younger than me that was really good, and he had really, you know, I had blonde hair, his was even blonder, and it was Tony Hawk. And so I'd be skating the keyhole behind this kid that was smaller than me, just going, dude, who is this Son kid? Of a bitch, like, just ridiculous. Ripping. I know. And I was starting to get tiles and starting to do some axle grinds, and I thought I was hot. And one day I told Tony this. I said, I just, I just, I got the biggest raspberry ever, and it wouldn't heal. 
and I started surfing. <laughs> and so that literally, so I approached Tony about it and he's like, I love it, man. I, I'm all about San Diego and I'd love to be part of this. Same conversation I had with Rob, you know, and Rob's like, Rob and I have been really good friends for 17 years. And, and he's like, got the music ties. And he goes, I love it. And so, yeah, both those guys had not only that, but the music ties, they're willing to make the calls. In some cases, if we're paying those acts, um, maybe we're not paying them as, as much, maybe we are, but maybe we're going through the foundations, right? Like Rob's got a foundation that's important to him. Um, Tony's got a foundation that's important Love to him. Love Tony's foundation. And all of these, a lot of these acts have foundations that are important to them. So some of these acts have killed it, made a lot of money, and they're still going to go out and do money. But maybe if there's a way they can do things where it goes through the foundation in some cases where money's left behind with foundations and everybody, and then their foundation makes money, well, that's also a win. Yeah. And, and then some of it's left in San Diego with Rob and Tony and their foundations. And then Trevor, who's been a dear friend for 10, 15 years, you know, there was this concept, you know, this Hall of Fame concept, the, the Hoff experience, whatever we're going to call it, that like, um, he's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. And he's one of the greatest guys. And one of the things that I just remember, like, you can't go, you know, 10 feet without being somewhere with Rob or Tony, these guys. Without everyone coming Everybody coming and take, take a picture. And what's cool about them all is they take every picture. I know. They put their arm around them. They've always got time. I that's know. what I love about these guys. And that's what San Diegans respect and love about them. And um, trust me, it's not when I see the headline that George Varga puts out there and it has their three names at the top of that thing. Um, um, I think we can all do really well on this festival. It's not why we're doing it first and foremost, but the fact that their name is there and they have the trust in me and they have the love for this festival in San Diego to be there. And the community trusts them. And trust them. It's um, a win, win, win. It's one, well, it's very special. And the fact that um, the most important thing these three guys have each in their life, other than their families, is their name and their integrity. So when that's used and it's used in association with this, um, I think I know that the trust is there for us to just work our ass off and put on a, a killer event. And, and killer events aren't always dictated by who's got the best talent. And Agreed. That's, and that's something that we can go into because at the end of the day, I can, experience. I can throw, you know, everybody has a different view on talent. Yep. Um, it's an experience. So when you can walk into this festival and you can go to one of these different zones and one of the things we'll, you know, I think talk about is, you know, North Embarcadero, South Embarcadero, they'll each have an A and a B stage on both of those. Um, uh, Seaport Village going to have a stage there. With the Where would you lot. put a stage there? In the parking lot, as, as the parking lot, as it kind of faces, and it'll face out towards, the, the bands will be playing out towards the water that way. So in the wow. parking lot, yeah, it's rad, dude. That's incredible. The trees and all that stuff. It's, and then it extends beyond Seaport Village towards go, the and, convention and then, center. And then, it will go right, and then it will go right next to that is Roku Park, if you know where that is. It's the Green Yeah, the Bell, park. The park right yep. just to the north of that. Um, and there'll and be a stage at the park. Stage at the park. That's where, that's where, that's where Tony's, you know, the Tony's ramp and stuff. And then we're also, Paul and I are heavily involved with this SD250. Most people don't know that this is the 250th anniversary of San Diego. Didn't know that. San Diego, everybody out there, if you haven't heard this, is the birthplace of California. Yep. I know probably everybody in San Francisco would tell you it's San Francisco. But let me tell you, it's San Diego. So we got together pro bono, Paul and I, and started working with some committees and said, how do we put on a series of kind of smaller events during the year to, to memorialize that? And one of the cool things is 
um, Wonderfront will be the culmination of those events. The last major event is part of this mm. SD250. And for that, both Univision and Entravision on the Hispanic side and then iHeart uh, on the other sides, there will be on the, on the Saturday and Sunday of the festival at Roku Park kind of early on during the day, there'll be a free stage that's programmed by those entities so if you're not coming to the festival, you can kind of come down and still be part of it and hang out. And That's that, so amazing. And then the second half of the day will be, you know, it'll be closed off. It'll be the ramp. It'll be the Tony stuff and some of the other stuff that we incorporate with it. So but you can take part without even buying exactly. in. Exactly. There's something. It's insane. There's something for everybody. And it's in this 250th celebration kind of does it. It ends with us. And But it's South Embarcadero, North Embarcadero, Roku, Seaport Village. And then the farthest one off in the distance is at Broadway Pier. And that's the one that'll be programmed by Timmy and, uh, and Music Box and the, and belly, the belly Up guys. Up and we've already had a lot of the programming into it. And there's some cool things that I think we'll like. Uh, you know, I was just talking with Tim this morning. He's all excited. And, and the feedback he already got from a bunch of these bands was like, oh, my God. We're like, in. Like, we we want to be part of San this. San Diego needs this so bad. And what's really cool is you can uh, – the water activation that we can do. So whether it's the artists that are on a yacht – that's their green room that they're all hanging out, partying, whatever. And then the boat comes up, picks them up and <laughs> takes them to their stage, right? That's or, epic. Or by the way, put them on a cigar boat. Like we're in a hurry to get to the airport, take it all the way down to the end, Damn. get them off and they have the runner, you know, take them right to the, the airport from there. So there's so many This cool is like things. what, I, I know you probably hate the reference, but oh, this, yeah. is, this is what Fire Festival yeah. tried to yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. Tried it, to be. It, and in we're, the middle of nowhere, but you had to go to the Bahamas. Right, right? and you're yeah. doing it in San Diego. We're doing it in San Diego. That's what they were promoting, the water taxis yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. That's, we actually have water taxis, and they're actually in operation. Right, and that's we don't, awesome. We don't have any tents that we got to put up. No so tents and no cheese trays. No, and no cheese trays. For guests. Um, and then one of the things with a partnership with Flagship is that um, you'll literally be able to be inside of South Embarcadero and get on one of the 450 capacity flagship boats. There'll be a band, Damn. a bar, a party, and that will take you on the cruise that goes around South Embarcadero, past North Embarcadero, dock you right up at Broadway Pier, go right into the festival from there because you left inside of the festival right back into the, into festival, the festival, get people from Broadway Pier, to come back around up to South Embark. Uh, South That's insane. So it's a really cool experience, and it also bridges what would be the farthest distance for those. The rest of the stuff is a 15-minute walk in between it. Yeah. And if you're in most festivals, you got to walk 15 anyway. minutes somewhere. And all along the way, we'll have experiential. So it, uh, you might be walking from South Embarcadero to North Embarcadero and see literally um, – there may be 10 different bands, almost like a rock and roll marathon that you go by that are on different yachts or different things around. So you're getting experience every 250 yards. How incredible. That with, with local musicians. And then, by the way, you can really discover really cool stuff that Paul's booking because at the end of the day, you can show up at 12 o'clock and hang till 2 o'clock. And then bail. And, and, and then if you're tired and or your wife said or your partner said, by the way, I'm going to uh, – I'm going to go take a nap at the Hyatt or wherever we're staying. And you go, hey, I may head down to Barley Mash or whatever I want to go and have a beer with a couple other buddies and link up. I'll be back at 3.30, pick you up, and let's go see this band on this stage at that time. Yep. You, you can still spend seven or eight hours in a festival if you wanted to, but on your time and in certain pieces when you want Versus to Versus being it. a prisoner. 
where that model works when you're 18 years old, but when you're almost 50, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me either. And it doesn't, and, it, and, it, and, and, uh, and it's a huge part of our deal is we want you to, to you know, we're going to have some of these bands being the last festival of the year that are really have just started to pop, or you would just be hearing about them kind of in the next next well, cycle. Well, yeah, that, and, that was one of my questions yeah. I had for you, just knowing how the yeah. festival cycle works. Are you putting yourselves at a disadvantage doing it this late in, in the calendar year? Where I always look at the wrap up being yeah. around. I always looked at ACL, yeah. Austin City Limits, as the wrap up in, yeah. in October. Yeah, I think. You know, when you, Paul and I talked about this at length and, you know, that used to be kind of like October, right? And then the managers, I think the agents said, you know, can we get our, can we get our artists kind of through Thanksgiving or can we get them to Thanksgiving and then kind of shut it down at that point, which is what you see more of that happening at this point. I also love the fact that, you know, the amphitheater is down at that point. Humphreys is down at Good that point. point. So the, the Padres even if the Potters went all the way, they're down. They're and, done. And they yeah. haven't gone all the way in a while, but you never know. With <laughs> you Machado. never know. Let's um, do it. So the the need for entertainment is there. We're kind of that – there's not much going on. Um, and I think there is a real opportunity, and at least certainly the conversations we have, the agents and the managers that are excited about it and the experience. And um, the other thing it allows, because we're so close to L.A., and because it's going to be so unique and so different is I think we have a chance to do something better than anybody else does. And although you'll see it at Coachella, it's, it's, it's much harder to be spontaneous about it. And that is you, there'll be the stated groups that you see that are playing the 80 bands, but who's really going to play in the end? Because at the end of the day, to be relevant, you got to be around these festivals. And if we're doing what we're supposed to do, there's so many bands from LA, so many other things that are going on. And how easy would it be for somebody to come down, drive two hours, yeah. watch the show or whatever, and then all of a sudden somebody's jumping on stage with somebody for two minutes, five minutes, goes back to VIP or goes back to the the, the, the yacht. And then by the way, the other thing is this thing ends at 10 o'clock every night. We're activating all of these nightclubs and after parties that are happening as well. So it, it's something for everybody. So you want to go to sleep at 10, you're exhausted. Good. You want to go party in the gas lamp and do what you want. Great. You want to go to some of these other parties where some of these acts are doing smaller venues. After at that show point? deals. It, That's what they do in Chicago with Lollapalooza. It never ends too. It, we have the ability, we're capping it at 30,000 people the first year. It, we, uh, this has the ability to expand to 75, 80,000 people a day. Damn. And and that's what we're going to do. And, and uh, so we're not, a lot of times, whether you're in a fairground or other area stuff, you're capped on attendance. So you, 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 as you grow, one of your bigger problems is, is how do I accommodate all these people so they're not on top of each other at the end of the day and make it a great experience? We get one crack this year to make it a great experience. And that's what our intention is to do and to work our ass off to do it. And to have everybody feel like this is their festival. And hip hop, R and B, rock, pop, EDM, reggae, all those things. The big difference of our festival is pay attention to who um, and and really what the makeup of San Diego is at the end of the end. Thirty three percent of our population is Hispanic. You got to be stupid to not figure out and understand all these incredible acts that totally are out agree. there, all the crossover acts, and instead of making you know, uh, gestures about 
however people feel about a wall or this or that. Like we, we've got 33% of the population in this market. Exactly. I got another 4 million people across the border that are starving for entertainment. entertainment and stuff and come over all the time. Completely agree. And I say, by the way, bring it, guys. Yep. Come on over. We're going to give. So one of the. So Cafe Tacuba's playing. I'm just telling Mana. you. I'm just, Morrissey. Those are, those are, so I'm programming. All right, let's do this. <laughs> so let's do this, Ernie. One of the things that's really cool about this at the end of the day is the and the and the programming lineup that I've seen so far that Paul's put together on the on the Hispanic and Latin side is is really good. I love so, that. So to me, that's one of those stages. And so let's just say, for example, that's North Embarcadero. Um, it's programmed Latin all day and Univision and Intravision. And and it is about embracing the fact that this is who San Diego is. No and question. And it's changed even a ton since street scene. Yep. So you talked about that earlier. You, you kind of made reference to a white guy in, in Del Mar, right? To me is this is something for everybody. And at the same time, you got to understand that 78% of the tickets that are bought to these festivals are by millennials. Yep. So you've got to pay attention to new emerging acts, not what I like, right. not what you like. Right. Although there needs to be stuff that you and I like to get us to come down there and be part of that experiential. But understand who you're actually marketing to at the same time and what you're creating. And ultimately, the Hispanic and Latin piece of this, to me, is hugely important. It's an it's an important story to tell, and at the end of the day, um, it's going to be a huge makeup of who's coming to our concert. And I agree with that, which is why I made the joke about the white guy from yeah. Del Mar yeah. because I see the same thing. I'm yeah. looking through the same glasses that yeah. you're looking through, yeah. and there was a day we all wanted to be the folks on the beach in Del Mar, and I still do. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but when I think of our city, that's not what our city is about anymore. It's not the makeup. And, it's not. And, and um, so I'm. Uh, I would tell everybody out there that's listening that our our job is to make San Diego proud, to have a lot of even San Diego bands, uh, and there's a bunch of them on it, and to have international bands, to have um, really good R&B, and it, it can be rap, it can be uh, Americana. I think we'll develop more into country in the future. Uh, won't be a ton of country the first year, it'll be some Americana, but I, I certainly see country as a big component. Completely concur. Com a big component of this. Um, it's just based on our timing and the stages that that probably is more of an ad in, in year two. Um, and so it's, uh, boy, it's, it's, it's quite an undertaking. Yeah. I was um, going to say how ambitious, cause you said yeah. year two, which is one of my follow-ups. Yeah. Do you have a three to five year plan with this yeah, thing? Yeah. Yeah. We've got a, a plan long-term on this. I, I would say at the end of the day, uh, I'm thankful for the port of San Diego. Uh, I'm thankful for, uh, Joe Terzi and the TMD and all that stuff for them to realize, but we listened, right? We, we, the city of San Diego doesn't need any festivals in June or July or September. You're They're right. booked with all of their rooms. You're they right. have all this stuff going. So we listened and said, geez, here's a really good time that Paul and I like anyways, but they were saying we're starving for something during this time. It's our slowest time. Help us. And if you help us, we'll help you. That's how it works. And, um, yeah, so that $500,000 that they granted towards this festival to help promote it you know, nationally and internationally and some of the other things that it does um, is a huge start. You know, The Port of San Diego is a big partner on this thing. They got it. The name Wonderfront is what they've already branded. Love the, the name, front. by the way. Thank you. Holy cow. You know, the name is perfect. We, we, uh, we, Paul and I had some ideas and a couple of years ago talking to the port, 
uh, one of the employees there that, that's worked closely with had his, literally had his hand raised across the table. I'm like, whoa, okay, uh, yeah, um, you got your hand up. Like, how What's can up? I help you? And he's like, I got the name. And he goes, I go, Paul, and I look at him, okay, well, Wonderfront. And I go, look at Paul, I go, that's, wow, I don't, where'd you get that? He goes, well, that's the branding that we as the port are doing. We have branded this whole waterfront, the Wonderfront. So you see ads in the morning already, but a lot of people mm. don't know that. A lot of people like I you and I never have known. haven't seen it. But you will after this because it's a dual it's meaning what we're doing together. at so the you're end. So both lifting together. Lifting together, That's pushing amazing. it up. And at the end of the day, the goal is if you come from out of town to our festival, we want you to discover the Wonderfront. Discover our festival, discover all the cool things on the water and all that stuff. And if you're from San Diego and like you and I that are hanging all the time, like if you haven't been down to the Wonderfront or the Waterfront in a long time, Come down and check it out. It's pretty freaking cool. It's been a while for me. It's pretty damn cool when you walk down there and you're just checking it all in. You're like, wow, impressive, incredible. So end of the day, um, it's our goal is to roll up our sleeves, to work with the Gas Lamp Association and Michael, which we already have, and, and the downtown partnership and with the city and everybody and say, how do we create the world's greatest festival? Can't do it by herself. Nope. And it's going to be with everybody. Everybody has a, a chance to participate in this and be part of it because it's San Diego's festival in the end. I want you to think of this festival at the end of the day, um, at the heyday when you loved the Chargers and just you couldn't wait till for Sundays to happen. I want San Diegans to go, I can't wait for the end of every November. What band am I going to discover this year? Or yep. this band that I saw last year that's now blowing up here, I was there at the you know belly up stage at Broadway yep. Pier, or I saw them at the after party, and nobody knew who they were, and that's what we used to get with street scene. You're I, right. We made a presentation to the downtown partnership, and some gal stood up, and she's like, "I saw a 1984 Sheryl Crow for the first time, and I'll never forget." Like, like that's the stuff. That's important and impactful, right? That's why people were so endeared to street scene because at the time, did street scene have some great bands? It did over time too. But the real magic and special part was all the discovery that people had along the line. And that's yep. what—that's a huge part of what Paul and kind of the booking team are doing. And that's what his real specialty is. Oh, I can't is. wait. I can't and wait, Ernie. We got no ego in this. So that's uh, our goal is to roll up the sleeves and just put on a world-class event that ultimately we can call the best festival in the world. My favorite words, no ego. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. When do they go on sale? Tickets, lineup announcement? Tickets lineup end of end of April lineup range and then you know probably mid May or so for tickets. You know the other thing that I would throw, which is really cool, is is because so many times people say, oh, then you got to spend all your money. Like partnerships are the real key on this thing. Being part of the fabric, we've got three hundred plus businesses downtown, bars, restaurants, establishments. This is one of the slowest times they have all year. No question. You better bet that when you go into every one of these establishments, there's going to be two of those posters. There's going to be a 30-second spot that's running on all of those screens. Nice. Because they're going to be partners with us. Because the better we do at the end of the day, the better they do. It's, yep. it's, it's built-in mojo from the get-go. So we can all be telling that story along. And Michael with the gas lamp, like he did at the time. He can get back together and do all these really cool dinner packages where you come down and the dinner and the ticket are included and you yep. do this and the hotels. hotels. You just, I can't wait. And it's also a great way to burn off steam when you know the holidays are right around the corner. This is the last big to do before you got to buckle down and deal with and, that garbage. And we like, yeah, and we like the fact that most of the kids get off by that Friday. And so if you're from town, you can hang around that weekend and enjoy it before you head, head back, back home. Or 
out of town, come in for a quick jaunt here. You got the weekend off and then, then head back deal home. with the shit. So the kids got that weekend <laughs> yeah. to kind of cruise and hang. And it ends up being a great weekend, um, you know, from a, from a weather standpoint, typically. And, um, so it's, here it's we on. go. It's, it's on. Good on you, Ernie. Yeah. Good on you. I'm really excited. There you have it. Thank you to Ernie Hahn, and we hope to see you out at Wonderfront. Can't wait to learn more about the big deal, big fest, and hope to be involved, and we'll get some tickets for you and all that. It's going to rule. Otherwise, thank you to all our patrons on the Patreon who do help out every month. Helps with our costs like you wouldn't believe. With a special shout-out always to Forrest, to Jennifer, um, who else? To Tim to Mariposa Ice Cream, who throws down a couple of hundred every month, which is just mind-blowing. Mariposa, they've got locations in Normal Heights, Murrieta, Temecula, and Oceanside. The best homemade ice cream on the planet. No question. It's my kid's favorite, and it's just divine. And uh, thank you to Mariposa for supporting our efforts here. It doesn't get more organic and homegrown than that as well as all of our patrons on the Patreon. So, until next time, be well, much aloha, you're the raddest, and thank you to Jake Nager in the Moment of Truth for providing our theme music. All the best. <laughs>